Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. We'll have our usual Wednesday breakdown now of issues that came up at Mayor Adams' weekly Tuesday news conference with excerpts, analysis, and your calls. Public safety questions took up a lot of time yesterday. The NYPD reported that there was more crime in the subway system last month than there was in January 2023, but despite it getting a lot of press, it wasn't much more crime. There, the mayor did have a response, however, and we'll talk about that uh, deployment response. There were also a couple of videos that went viral and gained traction in the media. Maybe you've seen them. One showed officers being pelted by flying objects, mostly bottles and backpacks. This is not the Times Square incident. This is at the shelter being used to house uh, asylum seekers at Randall's Island. The other was a performance on PIX11 News by the NYPD dance team. It was met with an icy reception and a fair bit of trolling. We'll get into that and how the mayor explained spending money on this, which, by the way, the answer is no, the city does not spend money on that. And we usually recap these weekly general news conferences with WNYC and Gothamist reporter Liz Kim. But Liz is off today. So this week we're joined by Katie Honan, senior reporter at The City and co-host of the podcast FAQ NYC. Hi, Katie. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me on, Brian. All these people with families, Liz, so many other people who take President's <laughs> Week off. So here you are. and glad to have you. Uh, there were a lot of public safety questions this week, including one about the NYPD's report of an uptick in crime in the subways for the month of January. Here's a little bit of the mayor's response um, in which he talks about a new deployment of police officers after acknowledging what's been happening. But we also shifted in tours of officers. They moved to 12-hour tours. We get a greater level of visibility, and we're finding that the officers uh, rather have more days off where they're able to do a longer tour while they are in. So it's good for morale, good for actions, good for uh, the movement of the officers. But the goal is our subway system has to be safe. Um, you know, proportionally, the number of Riders that we have, we're, we're, we're capping over 4 million riders. We have about six, six felonies a day on our subway system. That's six too many. We want to get down to zero. Uh, but our, our subway system is a safe form of transportation in the city. So maybe, Katie, that's a good place to start with yeah. a reminder that the fear still outweighs the risk by many measures. Um, six felonies a day in the subway system out of four million rides. Right. And and I mean, statistically, crime is up 22% since the start of the year. That's for the NYPD, which, you know, I guess looking at it percentage wise, it sounds like a lot. But then when you break it down with the actual number of felony crimes, I, I think also seeing so many videos, you know, 40 years ago, you didn't see videos constantly on the news about <clears throat> of these sort of really graphic or, or violent crimes in the subway. Right. You saw a musician getting attacked. Um, but yeah, you know, people's per- right. So people's perception, um, sometimes the data is at odds with people's perception and it's hard to kind of win over perception, even if you're fighting, you know, with, if you're, you're fighting what the data shows and you're, and you're putting more police officers, the mayor said, um, the subway safety plan money had sunsetted, but they're trying to get more money to deploy more officers. Um, but yeah, there's always the perception issue. 
Well, I'm just thinking about that number you gave, a 22% increase in felonies, if we're talking about felonies compared to January of last year. So if it's six crimes a day, that would mean, take 20% off of that, uh, it was five crimes a day in 2023 in January. <laughs> right. it's, it's hardly different at all. Yeah, exactly. I, I was worried you were going to make me do math live on television, but uh, on the radio, sorry. But uh, yeah, so that that's always the case. But you have this sort of endless loop of um, surveillance video and people getting attacked in, in one way or the other. So I, I don't think that helps. Although, you know, the media has an obligation to also report it as well. So there's always sometimes these two things are at odds. Uh, the deployment that the mayor discussed, 12 hour a day shifts, so the police officers will do their work week in fewer days, uh, but there'll be a total of more bodies in the subway system, I guess. Uh, and he said that it's it's good for morale. So that's interesting on a number of levels. Because he also talked about the difficulties that they're having recruiting for the NYPD these days, uh, and also for the corrections department, um, you know, that works in the jails. And he said even in the DA's office offices, they're having trouble with recruitment. Uh, because of all the conflict around the criminal justice system these days. Right. Um, I can't speak too much to the DA's office, but I know the Daily News had reported that the Department of Corrections had actually canceled or postponed an incoming recruit class because of they didn't have enough recruits. Um, you know, the police, the NYPD still has a very large police force, um, and there certainly are a lot of police officers um around New York City, uh, whether or not it's the deployment numbers that the mayor wants. You know, he mentioned Deputy Mayor for Public Safety, Phil Banks, um, who he rarely goes to these uh, off-topic Tuesday events. Um, but I guess he's looking nationally that there's, it's not just a New York City, it's a national problem of recruiting and then retaining police officers as well. I know the police unions, you know, a few times a year come out with the stats of these, what they will describe as these mass retirements or, or maybe people, you know, they do the NYPD for a few years and transfer either to another police department or to maybe another uniformed agency within New York City, like the fire department, if they get on that kind of thing. Listeners, I wonder if anybody relevant to what we've talked about so far with Katie Honan from the news organization, The City, about Mayor Adams' news conference yesterday, and we will get into other issues, too. But anyone relevant to this want to call in any police officers listening right now? Uh, do you like the idea of a 12-hour shift? Anybody listening right now on the other 12 hours who works in the subways sometimes? Uh, any MTA workers? I know they've been lobbying uh, the state, really, as well because the state runs the MTA, as well as the city for more protection. They feel threatened. Uh, 212-433-WNYC or anyone else. 212 433 Nine two for Katie Honan, call or text. Anything on the, I don't know that it came up explicitly, but I feel like I've been seeing um, the uh, MTA workers union uh, officials quoted in the news recently asking for things. It wasn't brought up yesterday, but yeah, I mean, safety is really paramount to the TWU and their workers who are really the, the, the first people there, you know, whether it's motormen in, in the subways or just walking around the platform. So um, it didn't come up yesterday. That, I mean, that's the problem with having a weekly press conference. There's only so many questions you can ask, unfortunately. Sure. Um, but it didn't, it didn't come up. And I know that's sort of been part of these larger asks as, you know, everyone wants to keep their members and their workers safe. 
Another thing that did come up, public safety related, was the rollout of a new police drone program that would help people who appear to be drowning or caught in riptides. Let's hear 19 seconds of Mayor Adams on that. New York needs to lead from the front. Uh, We don't follow, we lead. And I had a presentation last year on the use of drones, dropping uh, inflatable life rafts to people who are uh, find themselves caught up in a riptide, find themselves uh, in the threat of drowning. So, Katie, we know the use of drones in law enforcement can be controversial for various reasons in various contexts. Is it controversial even in dropping rafts to people who might be drowning? I think people are concerned about just the surveillance aspect of this and why the police department would be I mean, we know why, because they have the drones. I know last year um, when there was lots of shark watches, particularly in Rockaway Beach, uh, the fire department and emergency management used drones to monitor the ocean for sharks. You know, they had very clear video of lots of sharks in the water, and then that's what they would use to determine whether or not they should close the ocean, you know, concern for swimmers. But um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of confusion. I mean, realistically, in speaking to lifeguards and people who are sort of experts in lifesaving, particularly in open waters like the ocean, um, you know, people drown very quickly, unfortunately, because they don't usually realize they're drowning and until it's too late. So the idea that um, someone would be stranded, I, I think some people, it, it might be useful. I sp- spoke to someone who said it's useful if you have like a windsurfer or, you know, sometimes out of the beach, you have stand up paddle boarders or people in kayaks. If they're really stranded out far away and they need that, um, I guess if they have a kayak, they wouldn't need an inflatable raft. But The idea that a drone could get to someone quickly or quicker than a lifeguard who sees someone drowning goes in. You know, the mayor also spoke about how the drone could be used to communicate with lifeguards in a rescue Mm -hmm. because they have that bird's eye view of seeing um, where someone, a swimmer in distress, maybe went under. Um, I think there's just genuine concerns over would these drones just be flying around beaches as you're on the beach sunbathing? Uh, What else are they looking for? Are they deployed from, you know, a central spot like on a boardwalk? The mayor said this is going to start in Coney Island. Um, But most of the drownings in New York City, I know there was someone who drowned last summer in Coney Island, but most of them are in Rockaway Beach because it's the roughest water. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, the city's parks department has a lifeguard shortage. That's the concern Cro- right? that's the biggest issue a chronic lifeguard uh shortage so you have closed beaches people drown when they go in after hours or over four hours between 10 and 6 is when lifeguards are there they drown after or they drown at beaches that are closed because of a shortage so i don't know how a drone mm-hmm. will address that necessarily interesting but we'll see and of course uh the mayor makes no secret about how much he loves to embrace new technology. He talked about that again as a general principle yesterday. I saw the news conference. Uh, and it <laughs> remi- reminds us that the robot cop, yes, a robot cop that was rolled out to patrol Times Square uh, has now been, I don't know, redeployed, but not in Times Square anymore, as the mayor says here. Thank we're going to find another use for the, radio, for the, for the robot. We're going to try it. And, you know, if it's successful, we're going to pat ourselves on the back. If it's not, uh, we'll, you know, blame the media. <laughs> that was funny. If it doesn't work, we'll blame the media. Um, he does have a sense of humor, Adams. I have to say, at these news conferences, which now that we've started covering them weekly on the show, I've been watching them a lot uh, on, on TV on Tuesdays, New York One, you know, carries them and I watch. Um, and he's got a sense of humor and he's he's got a philosophy of government. You know, he doesn't just sort of respond to the immediate 
criticism, whether you agree with him or not. He kind of knows where he's coming from, I think. And he, ha- and he gets out a laugh line now and again like that. Yeah, blaming the media. That was the most self-aware I've heard Mayor Adams in a long time. And you're right. He is. Uh, he has a great sense of humor, I think, comparing to um, I, we always have to compare, unfortunately, comparing him to the previous mayor. He 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 has a much better sense of humor than former Mayor Bill de Blasio, um, although I guess he was on the airwaves more than uh, Mayor Adams on this on these airwaves. So right. uh, he had plenty of opportunity to be funny, but I don't recall Mayor Bill de Blasio ever being that funny. It was um, not but, one of his great values. <laughs> But yeah, you know, the Mayor Adams does have that sense of humor. And with the robot, you know, this was another sort of controversial, much maligned in a very funny way technology. The K5 robot, um, RoboCop, as I was calling him. Um, A few outlets had reported earlier this year that he sort of, actually, I don't know the gender of the cop. I don't want to say they they were relegated to some corner of Times Square, I guess, joking that it was on desk duty or something. But the mayor said that they have a new plan for it i don't he wouldn't reveal what it was mm-hmm. um i don't know if it could be a lifeguard i don't know if, how that works with the with the, <laughs> with <laughs> with the, the uh, wiring with the drone. <laughs> right a drone but yeah um it was a pilot program people were critical of the spending obviously the nypd budget is huge but i don't know really what it did especially because the robot it couldn't even replace a police officer it had to travel with more than one police officer if i remember correctly so it was just sort of again it, it spoke to the surveillance concerns what is this robot doing if it's just doing mass surveillance of a very busy subway station in manhattan um, right. i guess we were supposed to ask it questions but but did I don't it think anyone fail did. At something in particular that they were testing it in Times Square to see if it would produce? I think the NYPD's official line was that the trial or pilot program had ended. You know, I don't know if it had failed. And I don't even know what Mm. metrics they were using in terms of, um, I guess I knew new police officers, they're on probation. (laughs) They have a probationary period. Maybe the RoboCop was on that too, but um, they still have it. Um, It's not like, and I, they don't, they didn't buy it, right? I think they were just sort of, renting it or leasing it from the tech company. But, you know, I don't know if we'd ever be able to get the video from it or if there'd be actual data on on what it did and how successful or not it was just getting laughed at all the time in Times Square. We'll continue in a minute, folks, with Katie Honan, who covers Mayor Adams, among other things, for the nonprofit news organization, The City, as we play excerpts, get analysis from her and take phone calls from you around um, Mayor Adams' Tuesday news conference. We'll get into other issues as well. There's more law enforcement stuff uh, yet to talk about, as well as other things. The mayor was asked about a video that showed police officers trying to take someone into custody near the Randalls Island shelter for asylum seekers and being struck by bottles and backpacks. I don't know if we have anybody listening right now in that large population or who works around the Randalls Island facility. Uh, you can call in and give your version of that or ask a question or anyone else with a question or comment, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692, as we continue in a minute. Brian Lehrer on WNYC in our usual Wednesday segment with excerpts analysis of and your calls about Mayor Adams' Tuesday news conference. Katie Honan from the news organization The City filling in for Liz Kim, who's off this week. Let's get a couple of calls in here before we go to any more clips. 
Greg on Staten Island. You're on WNYC. Hi, Greg. Thank you for calling in. Hello. Good morning. I'm glad to be a part of the discussion. I wanted to speak about crime statistics. Uh, as, a, as a former law enforcement officer, it makes me pull my hair out uh, when I hear people say, uh, for example, there were only six felonies in the, the subway. Uh, the, the, the word that has to be prominently placed in a sentence is reported crime, reported crime, because many, many people who are victimized in, in, in daily life in New York City don't report those crimes because they feel that uh, the, the police response will be inad- inadequate, that they'll be terribly inconvenienced, they'll miss work, they'll miss school, uh, they'll miss childcare uh, arrangements, and, and rather than uh, participate in in reporting a crime, and with the, I thought that nothing will come of it. They prefer to just go about their business. And and the other thing is that crime statistics are wedded to a police officer's advancement and promotion. So there is a built-in incentive to downgrade and underreport uh, crimes because if you're a supervisor and there is an uptick in crime in your area, your promotion prospects go out the window. That's interesting. And what about at the level of um, the cop on the beat? Is there an incentive to make arrests and you get promoted on the basis of looking productive in that way, or doesn't it work like that? Well, it's not so much as an incentive. I wouldn't characterize it as an incentive to make arrests, but in a law enforcement agency, they measure productivity uh, uh, through your activity in the street, and, and whether it's it's arrests or summonses. So whereas no one will ever tell you out loud that, you know, because you fail to make any arrests or write any summonses, uh, you're not going to be given any consideration for a specialized unit. Um, it, it, it's, an, it's, it's unspoken that, yeah. that your, your activity... Yeah. Uh, is what measures your productivity and, and usefulness to the, the to the organization. But then it seems like there are sort of competing incentives within each precinct. Um, you know, there's uh, there's the incentive to report. Uh, there's we've long heard from officers that there's a quota system that they resent. And at the same time, there's the incentive that you were describing at the beginning of your call to report few crimes in your precinct so it looks like you're effective. Well, there's, there's, there's two different statistics. Uh, arrests, which mean the, the, a crime has been reported, but it's been close to arrest. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a, a crime that's reported and there's no arrest. The, the, it, the police department is very happy to trumpet uh, uh, there's statistics of crimes that are resolved with arrests, but when it's an, uh, a crime that's simply reported and the assailant is is not uh, uh, taken into custody, that's that's a problem. That's an issue. So, uh, uh, for from a, an individual policeman's perspective, arrests are good, but uh, 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 reported crimes that do not result in arrests are bad. Greg, thank you very much. Call us again. Appreciate your, your perspective and input on all that. Beth in Brooklyn, you're on WNYC. Hi, Beth. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Well, a little a little upset. I have a friend that came to work this morning. This is very much on my mind. We were just talking about this at 9:10. She said two incidents on the subway in the last two weeks. 
She's an older woman. She's over 65, still goes to work, um, was on the subway this morning, had somebody come and sit down next to her that, as she said, looked a little bit off. And before she could get up and move, he pulled down his pants and started masturbating. So uh, she got up and moved. The train came into a station. Everyone left the car. This wasn't reported. So how good could that six felony uh, statistic be? And then last week, she was riding the same train in the morning, in the middle of rush hour, on her way to work. And two people started fighting. And they fell into her, and she got punched three times. And all she could think of is the poor guy who got killed in somewhat of a similar situation a couple of weeks ago who right. got involved in trying to stop a fight, and she was absolutely terrified. So this morning's did she re- incident did she report didn't get reported. It? This morning's in- uh, incident, no, because everyone just got up out of the car and, and left. The fight, um, she thinks it got reported. But she was terrified of getting involved. She just got away as fast as possible because of the poor guy that got shot a couple of weeks ago. And again, she's an older woman. She's like five foot one. And she really did not want to be in this situation, even though she got hit three times. Right. So it may have gotten reported, but not by her. So your story really backs up in a way what the retired police officer on just before you was saying. Beth, I appreciate your call. Kitty, any reaction to those two calls? Yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately, um, especially our, our what Beth in Brooklyn said, um, <clears throat> as anyone, you know, we all take the subway and we all have various incidents. I think some of what gets reported is is in, in the eye of the beholder is not perhaps the, the best term, but it's people's own um, limits on what they can handle in terms of what they might find reportable. Uh, late last year, I was on a subway car where a fight broke out and you know, some people wanted to call the police when we got into the station and other people just said, just let it go. Um, we all kind of see this. But again, there's millions of people who ride the subway every day. Uh, it is the, in many cases, the fastest and most convenient way to get around. Um, but yeah, that feeds into the perception issue. So you see the data. And like Greg on Staten Island said, we people don't report a lot of stuff. You know, there's things that are technically even within that fall under the major uh, felony crimes category that they just don't report for a number of reasons. Um, again, you can't quantify this. This is all anecdotal um, from what you may experience or what you hear, but this is the reality of that. And then, of course, the more high-profile cases of the worst-case scenario, someone getting shoved in front of a train or, or subway shootings or stabbings, those also um, you know, get a lot of play. And yeah, you could argue about are we sort of creating a false crime wave narrative or are people really just reporting what they see happening in the largest city in the country where Mm -hmm. you can expect to have clashes and issues. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, the mayor was asked about a video that showed police officers trying to take someone into custody near the Randall's Island shelter for asylum seekers and being struck by bottles and backpacks. Have you seen the video? Can you provide a little bit of context on the situation at the Randall's Island shelter before we play a clip of the mayor on that? Yeah, sure. And interestingly enough, the mayor who usually sees the videos uh, said he had not seen this video, but it's a, it's sort of a, a melee within this um, migrant shelter on Randall's Island. Um, the police were trying to detain a, um, I guess, someone who was acting out and disorderly. And then, you know, a police officer got hit in the head with a backpack. Things were getting thrown around, that kind of thing. Um, you know, when after we hear the mayor, the mayor is sort of 
Um, obviously, he's very supportive of the, of the police as a former police officer, former police captain. He also, um, he has a very, and I think it falls into his narrative of trying to get migrants to work, which is a federal issue that um, it's not a narrative. He he really wants people to have the right to work. He's he's almost um, not apologetic, but he sees where they're coming from. He's like, you have all these people just sitting around all day, you know, like even the most peaceful person might lash out. So, you know, that was his take on it yesterday. And the mayor praised the officers for carrying yeah. out their jobs and taking the person into custody with minimal force, as he described it. He also called out the federal government. The people at the shelter aren't able to work because the federal government won't allow them to. Here's 15 seconds of the mayor. Anytime you have uh, 3,000 people who are placed in an environment that they cannot work, uh, they have to sit around all day. Uh, you know, things like this have the potential to happen. And I've said this over and over again. Oh, and we talked about the 12-hour shift that the mayor uh, is offering now to some police officers who work um, in the subways 12 hours a day, fewer days a week. Bob Enrico Park is calling as a retire- retired New York City firefighter who I think likes that idea. Bob, you're on WNYC. Hello. Hey, Brian. I haven't spoken to you for a couple of years, and I'd like to thank the producer for listening to me who took my call. My statement is this. There's 12,000 firemen. There's 36,000 policemen. We work, I used to because I'm retired, 12-hour shifts. The policemen do eight-hour shifts. There's 36,000. This is, there's a, this is a solution waiting to happen. They should literally get rid of 20,000, I'll repeat, 20,000 policemen times 120,000 with pension, get rid of that, take the 12,000 policemen, make them all work 12-hour shifts, let them sleep in, the, in their precincts, throw some beds in like we have in the, in the fire department. This gives a complete coverage, not this eight hours and these, and these guys disappear for the next eight yeah. hours instead of sitting around. This is a solution, and I wish Mayor Adams would listen and look through the whole uh, New York City, not just this little thing in the train station. It's, it's a different job, though, right, Bob? I mean, uh, the firefighters... You know, tell tell me if I'm wrong because I've never been a firefighter. You have, I know what you're but a say, lot of so, but let me let me say it so everybody yeah, hears it ahead, and then you can ahead. respond. That you know, it's a lot of um, waiting for a call and then it's an emergency um, with the police officers. They're going from thing to thing to thing constantly during their shifts in a different way. Go ahead, Bob. My statement is: I knew you were going to say that. Guess what? The police department is really, in my heart, an emergency service. All these other things that they do that are non-emergencies, they should have other guys doing it, not making 130000 making 60000 This is a solution waiting to happen. And I wish Mayor Adams, who, by the way, there's one thing about him that's not very good. He hides all the time. He doesn't come on your show regularly. I pray that he does not get reelected because he's very non-communicative. Bob, thank you for being communicative and calling in. Um, Let's see. We're going to run out of time soon. One other thing NYPD related that came up yesterday, Katie, was the NYPD dance team 
Yeah. Who knew they had a dance team? I didn't know they had a dance team. It's new. Recent- That's, it's brand new. Oh, it's new. That's why. Yeah. Re- they recently performed on TV. They were on PIX11 on their morning news show. And then the city received all this pushback. And the team itself apparently was subject to a lot of hate and trolling online. Some of it was really harsh. The mayor was asked about it. And here's 30 seconds of his response. That is part of what I perceive as people just wanting to find reasons uh, just to, you know, just to be mean-spirited. Um, we have a NYPD boxing team, NYPD football team, NYPD hockey team, FDNY team. We have fraternal organizations. Uh, this costs the police department nothing. Uh, it really humanizes our offices. It is a way to alleviate the stress and difficulties and challenges of being a, doing the job. So one of the more substantive critiques um, came from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yesterday. She was on this show yesterday, too, but I didn't know about this issue. We didn't talk about this. But she had said the city is spending money so the NYPD can have a dance team when they're cutting music and other arts programs in the public schools. But the mayor was making the point that this is not city money, that this is privately funded, correct? Right. And I think, look, the the overall criticism, the mean spirited, mean, you know, rude body shaming tweets aside, it's people have a real issue with the size of the NYPD's budget when it's compared to what gets cut, what doesn't get funded. When you look at like the Parks Department, not even making one percent of the city's budget. So those are real and genuine criticisms. Um, I think it's also people were misinformed about these sort of NYPD extracurriculars that, by the way, most, if not every uniformed agency has a long list of whether it's, you know, an NYPD boxing team. I've watched the NYPD boxing team fight FDNY, corrections, sanitation, uh, you know, Port Authority. These are what happens, right? And there's no money going into it from what the mayor said. These are usually just uh, fraternal organizations. The NYPD has a salsa band, pipes and drums, um, you know, every ethnicity, every religion that has someone in the NYPD, there's an organization, they have galas and parties. And this is sort of a lot of ways, just just like, you know, as it was pointed out yesterday, even us reporters, we don't have a big budget, but, you know, we play in NYPD, you know, not NYPD, we pay it, play in media softball leagues, or mm-hmm. we, we, guilty. Uh, do, guilty, exactly. We, uh, we join the inner circle where we're not very good dancers either. So these are sort of what you do. It's human beings. You're part of a job and you do things outside of the job. So I think a lot of people weren't aware of this. But at the same time, yeah, you, you, there's a lot of criticism to go around for how much money is being spent for the police when you're cutting significant amount of money from the Department of Education, right? from libraries and that kind of thing. But you know, you, it was very you, mean tweets. Just say, Yeah. Talk about the mean tweets for a second, because I don't want to ignore <laughs> that, right? I mean, these were a lot of sexist mean tweets aimed, I think, largely um, at the women. You said body shaming. So what what was out there that we should know about and be disgusted by? Well, uh, you might not, you might find this hard to believe, but the internet, uh, particularly Twitter, has a lot of people hiding behind, I'm you know, fake names and faces this. and accounts and just insulting women. And um, yeah, without really realizing the the facts behind it of this is something they wanted to go on TV to promote this new organization, this new club that they do essentially. And, um, you know, I don't want to read the mean tweets, but no, you know, a lot of, not, but, <laughs> a lot of like incels on Twitter now and a lot of people who just seem to hate women for the fact that we're alive and 
dancing um, and not looking whatever way that they want us to. So, uh, yeah, that that was sort yeah. of the reality. They met with the mayor yesterday. They came to City Hall. They took pictures. I don't know if they taught him how to dance. Uh, he could probably <laughs> use some moves, but I don't know what happened there. It was behind closed doors. Pix 11 had the, uh, I think they had the exclusive on it. So, but yeah, that's that's just another week in New York City of, of people being mean on the internet. I can be mean on the internet too sometimes, but I feel that the people deserve it when I am, but not you as mean as these people. <laughs> are substantively mean. On the <laughs> Thank internet. you. I appreciate that. You are intellectually <laughs> mean. You are curiosity-driven mean on the internet. <laughs> Katie Honan, find her on the internet and as senior reporter at the nonprofit news organization, The City, and co-host of the podcast FAQ NYC. Thanks for doing this this week, Katie. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much.